1: TC Live with you on a damp Saturday evening in Rome. When it rained in Rome in Caesar's Day, they would stretch a giant red canvas over the Colosseum, and the gladiators and the lions never stopped battling. They have not quite got that worked out at Foro Italico just yet, (laughs) and so we are canceled for the day, and we're gonna fall a little bit behind. It seems like an engineering piece of cake, apparently. (laughs) It's not. Welcome to TC Live on this Saturday. <laughs> Hall of Famers Jim Courier in the studio. Andy Roddick is at the home office. I guess one of the positive byproducts of these expanded now 96 draw 1000s is when you have a weather situation like that, you have some days off to make up some ground. That is
2: exactly right, and that's really helpful because back in the day when this was a one a week tournament, you get jammed up. You're playing, you know, two matches a day, and it gets a little bit tiring and tiresome for everyone involved. But spare thought for. Uh, all the supervisors who now have to reconfigure tomorrow's schedules, not just the players that are under strain and stress. It's also the organizers of the tournament. Uh, it's not great for anybody, but um, good news is we, we are expanding we get a little bit more time to fix this thing.
1: Andy, what was your go-to routine when you would be stuck in a rain delay in the locker room? Uh, how would you pass the time?
2: It's a tough
3: one, whether it's cards and the, the hardest part is that honestly... Uh, you used to get it at Wimbledon a bunch, you know, you it, they had like the little misty rain and you could be on in 20 minutes or you could be on in six hours. So it's it's finding the fine line between hydration and making sure you have something in your stomach. It's all kind of imperfect guesswork. So but trying to feel like you're prepared, you know, to go on in 20 minutes at all times, even if it's, you know, an eight hour wait is uh, is difficult.
1: All right, so at least they made a decision and canceled so everybody can go home and reset for tomorrow. Let's dive into the highlights of the matches that were completed. Of course, uh, we start with Carlos Alcaraz, who last week won the Madrid title, which means he now has the chance to become just the fifth player ever, male or female, to pull off the Mediterranean double, winning Madrid and Rome back-to-back. First step in the quest was a match against his countryman Andy Albert Ramos. Vignoles, no trouble today.
3: No, no trouble. And as expected, uh, Danolas actually uh, gave him a rough time in the second round of the French last year. Up two sets to one, up a break. But there was, got off to a quick start. But then Alcaraz started being Alcarez. The most dangerous shot in tennis that's hit at like 30 miles an hour is that drop shot from Alcaraz? That's the tone. And once he found his footing today, Brett, it was uh, downhill scary. There wasn't much that Ramos could do to hurt uh, the old Chucky Chuckster, and then when he hits shots like that <laughs> off of overheads, uh, you just kind of shake your head. But um, this kind of had a feeling of inevitability, and to be able to play that shot off both sides, that dropper—I mean, I'm not sure what you do there uh, if you're Ramos uh, Vanolas. But uh, you know, Al- Alcaraz didn't miss a beat coming in from Rome. These heavy conditions are actually maybe advantageous for him. I don't know. He's good on everything. I don't know what he's best on yet, uh, which is, I guess is a good problem for him, but. Uh, straightforward effort from Alcaraz, and he's dialed in in Rome again.
1: Well, the Chucky Chuckster won more than half of his return points in this match. That is obscene. He also served over 80% for the match. That's also obscene. So here are the live wow. rankings now with that win. He has leapfrogged back over Novak Djokovic. There were just five points separating them in the rankings when this week began. So he will be number one again when the new rankings come out a week from Monday. It'll be his 23rd week at the top. And here's what Carlitos had to say with Prakash. How was the match? Was the beginning a little bit difficult?
2: Yeah, for me it was uh, a little bit difficult at the, the beginning. You know, I have to, to adapt my my game. You know, to the conditions here in Rome. It was uh, yeah the the beginning of, uh, of the the. Every tournament is really tough, you know, yeah. and uh, of course playing with uh, with uh, Albert in the, such a, a tough condition, really slow one, uh, yeah. it, it was tough. But uh, yeah, I'm really happy to to get through, you know, uh, after the, the first set, uh, be yeah. able to to play to play better, and increase my my level was uh, was great for me.
1: All right, Andy, you you made a comment on social media last week, which, and I know this is going to come as a shock to everybody, it was misread and misinterpreted by some people. (laughs) (laughs) But I want to go back to it because I think it's it's meritorious. You said that as Alcaraz was about to turn 20 last week, that he's the most complete 19-year-old, now 20-year-old player that you had ever seen. Flush that out. Explain what you meant by most complete.
3: Yeah, certainly doesn't mean most accomplished. Obviously, Rafa won the French Open at 17 years old, but Rafa's game took a minute. He had been on two or three or four years before he was completely comfortable uh, on other surfaces, right? He could still get uh, run out on a fast hard court or, you know, he picked up grass probably uh, sooner than he did uh, a fast hard court. What I'm saying is that you look at Carlos and it's going, I, I don't know where he improves much, maybe a little bit more motion on his first serve, uh, but he's so complete, right? There's not a weakness, whereas Rafa, you could say, okay, his serve is going to get A lot better over the course of the next five or six years and so as as far as a a finished product he's the most complete player there's not an obvious place to go at him with someone like a Rafa it's going okay if I can go first hit tennis maybe I can take the racket out of his hands maybe his first serve return isn't great maybe his first serve isn't great we're nitpicking the rest of Rafa was amazing the best we've ever seen on a given service but I still believe that Carlos is the most complete 20 year old I've seen
2: yeah I totally agree with that and he was most complete 18 year old i'd seen <laughs> most complete 19 year old i'd seen and now okay. 20 now you start to get in the conversation where Federer started to, to really find his game and put all of the pieces of his puzzle together around this time. Uh, Djokovic was still working on getting the kinks out with his serve. Uh, the mm-hmm. forehand still was a bit of a chicken wing, wasn't perfect. He would work on that. Andy, I think you pointed out he got rid of uh, the czars and uh, you know the bird flu and all of those problems <laughs> when he went, uh, I think you mentioned that at the U.S. Open press conference, I re- that
1: I remember that, well. um,
2: that he had some physical conditioning issues that I think the uh, going gluten-free helped. Them with so, Alcaraz has not had any of those things to fix. Now, what I what I'm going to be interested in, what we've talked about a lot when we've been covering his matches, is how does he evolve from here? Because the evolution doesn't need to necessarily be anything technical. That seems to be all sound. His body is is as strong as it needs to be. Um, so what happens is he probably just brings in the percentages, and it probably becomes less of a thrill ride over the course of his career because he'll probably have some losses. Like he had last year, Roland Garros, where Zverev beat him, but really he beat himself the first two sets with blowing himself up with unforced errors. So I think we might lose some of the daredevil aspect of him as he finds a way to really make his bad days better. And he has so few bad days, but he just the percentage of tennis probably climbs a little bit. And I'll miss that. The moments <laughs> of, of oh my God, he's he's such a kid. Look at him taking this crazy risk. But, you know, ultimately, if he wants to be where he's saying he wants to be, which is amongst those players we're talking about at the end of his career in that discussion of the greatest of all time, he probably needs to lose some of the carefree devil may care attitude that he brings to the court. And I'm going to miss that. And maybe he won't. But I suspect that's where he'll end up going.
1: Is that do you agree? Andy? Does he have to bring the margins in if he wants to be an all time great.
3: I just think he will. I mean, right now it's plan A and and plan A plus, right? I think he will develop a plan B, which may not be as entertaining and may not be as much uh, of a roller coaster. But the other thing that the big three have done have spoiled us to where we feel now like we're entitled to 15 years uh, of of a great run. The man man sitting to your left right now was a great player, number one in the world, four-time major winner, but also retired at 27. I retired at, at 30. These, these guys have completely changed the narrative on what a successful career as far as longevity looks like. So we're not guaranteed 15 years of Carlos Alcaraz. I can say confidently we're, we're going to get a great eight or nine year run here for sure, no doubt. But can his body hold up for 15, 20 years like these other three? I mean, they're, we've never seen anything like the longevity that they've created. So the conversation, again, is not will he match them for the course of 20 years is at 20 years old. He has fewer holes than any 20-year-old I've ever seen. If he wins this title, it'll be his
1: fifth Masters 1,000 crown already. That will put him fourth among active players. Only Nadal, Djokovic, and Murray would have more Masters 1,000 crowns. He just turned 20. Let us move on to some other highlights that were completed. Ten Italians in the draw this year. Lorenzo Senego is one of them. And, Jim, he took out a seed today in the Yoshinoshio.
2: Yeah, this was on center court. So a lot of crowd support for Cinego and and... Maybe a little too much for Nishioka's liking. He did not appreciate some of the comments coming his way. He would, uh, at the end of this set, have a long discussion with the chair umpire. But Sonego breaks him on that error to get the set and get the crowd involved. Second set, Nishioka, again, you know, early doors here. He's just feeling the forehand might of Sonego, who can rock it. Finds the line with that one, doesn't he? And uh, Senego is... He's a guy who has a lot of game, he has a lot of personality, and he does invite the crowd in to his conversations. So they were ready for it. I think everyone was just kind of amped up because tennis was happening. It's been raining on and off today. So Senego would get the late break and then serve it out at Love. Uh, so the Italians continuing to see the benefits of all the investments they've done with the profits of this tournament, investing it in the challenger circuit in Italy, allowing players like Cinego to get things done just before the rains came. All
1: right, these were the partials that were in progress when play was canceled. Tsitsipas set and a break on Portugal's Nuno Borges. Uh, One of two Americans to play a German qualifier today. Big foe dropped the first against Altmaier. They were on serve in the second. And Lehecka and the Hungarian Marzasan were in the third with the Hungarian up. A break, so that's where we stand. They'll have to make up time, but uh, plenty of room to do so. uh, Faux, uh did win Houston, which is yep. a red clay tournament, albeit in the States. Hasn't had a banner clay court season since then.
2: No, he's gone one and two in uh, Barcelona and Madrid. So looking to get uh, a little bit of momentum here as he as he turns the corner towards Roland Garros, but. Yeah, you know, Altmaier is is hot hand right now. Altmaier qualified made the quarterfinals in Madrid. He's qualified here again, so he's already won three matches. This is Francis's first match in Rome, and and Altmaier's on a run. And they had a, a meeting earlier this season. They played the first round of the Australian Open, and it was a barn burner. And Francis had to grind to beat him seven six in the fourth set. So it's not been a comfortable matchup for him. And in watching that match uh, as it was unfolding today before the rains came, I think Francis was probably a little bit twitchy. He was trying to get to the net and finish things off in these really muddy conditions. You can understand why, but Altmeyer's backhand is devastatingly good. It has so much topspin on it, and and Andy, I don't know about you, but I didn't like trying to volley off of a ball that was diving at my feet, and it felt like Francis was having to do a little bit of that in that matchup. Maybe he'll make that adjustment.
3: Yeah, I, I think uh, one of the things that I saw just with the with the matchup was uh, Clay, I don't think, makes – anything that Francis done way better, right, on a natural transition. He's so good at keeping that backhand down, hitting it through the court. He loses a little bit of that advantage. He has a great slice that he can mix up and switch directions with. That becomes a little bit worse. Maybe the second serve sits up a little bit more. So I do think Francis has to problem solve a little bit more. And I think, uh, Jim, you're spot on with what you mentioned. I think there was a little bit of indecisiveness with how to go about that uh, rally production today.
1: Francis, 12 in the rankings this week. That's one off of his career high. Winner of that match will play an Italian either way, either Musetti or Arnaldi. That was supposed to be the nightcap tonight. These are the other matches that didn't get on. Coco Goff was scheduled to play Boscova. Coco gave up just one game in her opening match against Putin Seva. Medvedev, hardcourt specialist. Jim, every match he wins on clay, he is ruining that Yeah,
2: Well, he's going to have to play awfully well to beat Russovori, who is an aggressive-minded player who scared the daylights out of Carlos Alcaraz in the the opening match for Alcaraz in Madrid. Taylor Fritz against Yannick Hoffman. See if Taylor can uh, make some more progress on the clay. We'll see.
1: And it was going to be meeting number six between Madison Keys and Victoria Azarenka 4-1 lead in the head-to-head for Vika. More to come on our TC Live rain-drenched version on a Saturday. Uh, if you haven't seen Cruz Hewitt, get ready to see him possibly for a long time. The son of Hall of Famer Layton is making his mark as a junior. We'll introduce you to him when we come back.
2: can't remember the first time I'd found out or heard about the Tennis Channel. I mean, it was obviously a long time ago. The network has grown so much since then, and they have done such an amazing job promoting our sport. And I've been fortunate enough to do a lot of really cool features on Tennis Channel. Of course, I've played tennis on Tennis Channel quite a bit and always been, you know, really big friends of everyone that works for the Tennis Channel. And as I said before, they've done a, our, our sport a great service, and we're very lucky to have them. Tennis Channel, John Isner here. Happy 20th anniversary.
1: We are proud to count John amongst our loyal viewers. And right back at you, big fella. Andy, do you remember the first time you laid eyes on him on a court? First time you played him would have been around 2007. What you thought of the big behemoth as you took a look at him for the first time?
3: Yeah, I actually, uh, the, the the first time I ever saw him play was in Washington, uh, in 2007, uh, I watched him kind of grind through his first round, not to, not surprising to anyone. I think it was 7-6 in the third. And then I actually played him for the first time in the final, like six or seven days later. But just to watch uh, that serve the first couple of times, I, you immediately realize – this is a problem to deal with, <laughs> um, and so this is this is going. You know, I don't, I don't. We're going to see how the rest of it develops, but he's going to win a. He's going to win a lot of matches just with that scoreboard pressure. That serve is a problem. Uh, for my money, in the top of the conversation for the best serve we've ever seen in our sport.
1: That 07 DC tournament. That was his second ever tour level tournament. He won five matches in third set breakers to get yeah. to you in the final. Jim, good guy to have in the team room, Davis Cup. Oh, a
2: great guy. Uh, you know, Andy was the leader of the Davis Cup team uh, during his career on, on the Davis Cup team. And then when Andy stopped playing Davis Cup, John became the leader in there. And not just with his presence, uh, but also, you know, on the court, you know, and, and doing the work uh, off the court. He showed a lot of the guys, you know, this is what it's all about. Uh, he, he's always been committed to Davis Cup and a, you know, rock solid performer, you know, wins over fetter And Davis Cup is pretty strong. So... Now, he's been terrific to have, um, you know, now a father of four. It's amazing how time flies, and, uh, you know, hopefully we're going to get to see him uh, for, I think he's planning to play Roland Garros and then kind of work his way to the grass.
1: Yeah, uh, turned 38 a couple weeks ago. We look Mm -hmm. forward to seeing John especially on the grass later in the year. It is time for our FanDuel Chanda pick of the day. And it's gonna be the same as it was today because Taylor Fritz and Yanni Kaufman did not get on the court. So Chanda will carry that over with her 10 Chanda bucks, minus 220, about a 60% favor to win that match. Quick reminder that right now, FanDuel is giving all new users 10 times your first bet in bonus bets, up to $200 win or lose. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app now start making every moment more. Well, a sad note to pass along to the tennis community today, and that is that Hall of Famer Owen Davidson has passed away. The legendary Aussie, Davo, as he was known to his friends, was the most accomplished male mixed doubles player in the history of the sport, winning 11 major titles in mixed, eight of them, with Billie Jean King. He also won two men's double slams, including the 1973 U.S. Open with John Newcomb. He was inducted into the International Tennis Hall of Fame in 2010.
3: First of all, I'm honored to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I never thought I'd ever get in because, you know, I had six pretty good guys ahead of me in Australia. Labor or more than that. Labor: Roswell, Emerson, Stolley, and Newcomb Roach. So that's six guys. But once I got in, I considered it a, a great honor, and I still do today.
1: Owen Davidson, a first-rate mate, was 79. Back on TC Live, everyone hoping that Rafa Nadal will be healthy and able to pursue his 15th Roland Garros title this year. Tournament starts two weeks from tomorrow, and Tennis Channel is proud once again to have exclusive daily live coverage. Don't miss any of the action beginning Sunday, May 28th. Remember, three Sundays of live action at Roland Garros, 5 a.m. Eastern start only on Tennis Channel. Let's get back into the highlights from Rome. American Taylor Townsend coming off the biggest win of her career. Knocked off world number three, Jesse Pagula, in the last round. Trying to back that up today against Wang Ji-Yu. Taylor would drop the first set, as you could see. But then she came back and posted a bagel in set number two. She actually had match point here, a 5-4 serving in the third. Could not convert that wound up falling. to China's Wang Chiyu. And so still, Taylor will jump 34 spots in the live rank. And she's inching closer to getting back to the top 100 for the first time as a mom. Back to the men's side. And for a guy who doesn't have a ton of clay experience, Andy, J.J. Wolf is having a heck of a first week in Rome, isn't he?
3: Yeah, and his movement looks ready. looks way more comfortable from the back not rushing shots it's it's kind of melted into his game and it's fun to see because you can guess how someone is on a surface that you haven't seen a play on much but uh, J.J. Wolf a very dynamic mover uh, on this surface is still able to get forward uh, enough and looked great today uh, against Hubie Herkacz now he'd much rather play Herkacz on this surface than let's say a fast hard court or, or even grass for that matter but making great transition appearances at the net always always crafty when he does get up there always athletic uh, and, and just stay really rock solid from uh, from start to finish today. You always want to ask a question to see if someone uh, is able to serve it out, but Wolf looked great, served it out uh, pretty easily at love, and moving on, he looks uh, you know like a moth to a flame so far on the on the clay here this week, Brett. The Mullen is back, and the results are back as well. <laughs> <laughs>
2: stop Stop laughing. What do you like about JJ Wolf, Jim? <laughs> I used to rock a mullet in France when I've I was seen a younger. Pictures, yeah. You don't want to see those again. Um, look, I, I like his athleticism. I like his uh, thirst for the battle. I think that JJ loves to get in there and mix it up. He's not afraid to show his emotions. He's got a lot of firepower. I mean, he is a sturdy young man. He can bring the mustard on the serve, he can pound it on the forehand, too. But what Andy pointed out in the movement, that's the key. You know, he's got to be in position to unload and unleash that power other than the serve. And on clay, that means you've got to have your feet underneath you. And, and he looks like he is certainly kind of figuring out how to slide into the shots, use your legs to then lift once you're there, uh, instead of hitting and then sliding afterwards where you lose a lot of court position. So it uh, looks really good. And it's nice to see some American male success. It's not been a great tournament for the American men so far. So that was a... A really nice win to see the red, white, and blue get on the board.
1: And another guy who came through college tennis, former Ohio State, a Buckeye. Andy, are you a, a J.J. Wolf fan?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, he's, he's great to watch, right? He's always entertaining. If he's playing well, if he's not playing well, he's certainly uh, super entertaining. But one of the things that Jim said, he's able to slide and then time his slide so that he's getting max value by the time he's hitting the ball, but also like the length of slide. Like my slide, my, when I slid, it was like two feet long because I didn't really want to do that. I didn't have faith in it. He's actually sliding four or five feet uh, into the ball, which is rare for an American. So length of slide uh, is, is a big deal and he seems very comfortable. Is picking the right ball to get forward on, not forcing it as much as he would uh, on a faster service, still able to protect his serve uh, and maybe getting some more looks at at, at other guys' serves. Uh, so I like what I see so far from uh, from
2: JJ Wolf.
1: Who's the character from Old School that we're thinking he looks like now? Oh,
2: is that the animal trainer in there who who hit you know the trank gun that? Oh, he hit with yeah, a yeah. Gun? <laughs> yeah, or Joe Dirt. I mean, it's, it's it's actually yeah, ironically, Andy, Sean, that's your that's your doppelganger, yeah. that's Sean Aston Scott, right? Sean Astin, Yeah, Scott? Sean William, sh- Sean. Sean William Scott.
3: I not William. to be confused with Sean Aston from the Goonies and Lord of the Rings, but uh, <laughs> Sean, it's sh- Sean, Sean, Sean William Scott. It, it really, uh, but it, I would like it if JJ Wolf just started tra- talking trash like you go to Dort in your neck, man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We've had, a,
1: we've had a Stifler sighting on TC Live.
3: All Who right. knew it would ever That's right. That's happen.
1: Right. Let's uh, show you some of the completed scores today. <laughs> uh, second top 10 win for Camila Osorio of Colombia. She knocks off Caroline Garcia. And born at Chorich, Jim, he
2: saved the match point in there to take out Montero. Yeah, that was a tight, tough tussle for George. He got through there. George played well in Madrid, so building on that momentum, Rublev able to take out Molchan as well. Three and four. That's a solid win. And then Potapova thought well, she had a chance there against Kudermetova, but uh, Veronica able to figure that out in the third set with the breadstick. All right,
1: let's go to uh, Social Net for this rainy Saturday. Everybody remembers this scene from last summer in Newport as Leighton Hewitt took his place among the immortals enshrined into the International Tennis Hall of Fame. Well, the next generation of Rusties have arrived. That is 14-year-old Cruz Hewitt playing a junior tournament we think in Florida was posted on social media. Jim, this young kid's got some game.
2: He has and it's been fun watching him grow up. Every year you go down to the Australian Open and and Cruz has just been around. He's a part of the furniture there because his dad is running men's tennis (laughs) for Tennis Australia and also he's on television. So he's there all day. So too Cruz Hewitt who's just been soaking up the atmosphere. And then getting out in the court, dragging his dad out and on the court at all hours to get some hits in. It's been fun to watch this young man stretch out in his game. Looks beautiful. The backhand looks very reminiscent of Leighton's. The forehand, a little bit more movement to it. We'll see uh, how he develops as time goes on. But one thing is clear, he absolutely loves and lives tennis. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Brett, uh, you emceed uh, Leighton's induction last year, so so well and I was there in attendance and uh, I, I remember being there having to do uh, a hit during one of the afternoons and this kid was there for an hour before I started that hit. And he was there for an hour <laughs> after I, I finished that hit and it was a family affair. Uh, I still like his dad taking him out on the grass though right now as it currently stands. That,
2: that's a good bat. I think uh, Layton would probably get him on the grass. <laughs> on the clay though, what do you think? That's a, That might be a pick'em. Could be. Uh, Latent late stuff, I think he would actually
3: talk trash to his, his own son still <laughs> on, the, on the clay and then his son would turn around and give him one
1: of these, and it, yeah, would be right. it would be on. I'd
3: uh, like to see it. Uh, we're, this is what we
1: believe the schedule will be tomorrow, but it is subject to change because they may add some matches here and there. But uh, assuming it doesn't change, we will start at 5 a.m. Eastern on Tennis Channel. Bally's will pick up a separate slate of matches, and there are going to be extra matches tomorrow at 8 a.m. Another edition of TC Live to wrap it all up at 5 p.m. Eastern. And as Lionel Richie sang all night long for the Encore coverage, back in a moment. This partial score just in, Indians four. The oldest joke in the books. This was Tiafo and Altmaier until they got postponed.
2: (laughs) This would not go the distance. But one thing that uh, I don't get tired of hearing either is the sound of the ball coming off of Altmaier's backhand. My goodness, he has a gorgeous homage to Stan Vavrinka, his idol growing up. That one-hander was doing damage. Tiafo at 40-15 had a chance to get back into this opening set and was not able to convert those break points. So Altmaier serving it out here. Second serve, add in, and just unloads on a beauty down the line. So his run continues from Madrid where he qualified and made the quarters. Tiafo saving a couple of break points here in the, the, the last moments of play before the court was too muddy. These were crucial points. Altmaier had a play on that volley and let it go. And Francis was able to escape that 1540. And then they would close uh, close the doors on tennis today. So a, a big save, a big momentum grabber for Tiafoe, something for him to sleep on a a little more comfortably tonight.
1: 23 tour-level wins for Altmaier. He's got six of them in the last two weeks. Francis had the momentum, so he didn't want to stop. Here are our feature matches for tomorrow. Djokovic against Dimitrov, that's episode number 12. Couple of Roland Garros champions with Krachikova and Ostapenko. And then those bottom three matches are holdovers from today that did not get on the court. Our team on the ground in Rome is Danny and Prakash.
2: At our fan desk, a battle of two French Open champions. You've got Barbara Krachikova and Yelena Ostapenko. Who do you think is going to come out on top?
1: Well, uh, either of them haven't had too much success uh, thus far on the clay. Ostapenko hasn't won back to back matches. Krachikova has put a few more matches together so far. I think it's going to be a really even encounter. They've both been finding really good form this year. Krachikova was sensational in Dubai, capturing her first 1,000 title. I have a feeling it's going to go three sets. Tough to pick a winner. Um, I think Kritschikova is going to be able to pull it through just just with the variety she's been able to play with and so forth. And um, I just think head-to-head it's a better matchup.
2: It's going to be an exciting one. In fact, all of Super Sunday here at 4-O-Italico is going to be thrilling.
1: We will see you guys tomorrow. Thanks very much. Want to preview a couple of our key matches tomorrow. We'll start with Novak Djokovic against Grigor Dimitrov. There have been 11 meetings between them. 10 of the 11 have gone Novak's way. Jim, aside from the fact that one of these two guys is Novak Djokovic,
2: is there there a reason
1: this meeting, this rivalry has been so
2: onside? Look, the the only win Dimitrov had was in the altitude of Madrid on the clay about 10 years ago. So it's been a minute. And look, the reality is Novak is tough on everybody. And Dimitrov is an offensive-minded player. He can play great defense, but he tries to finish points. And it's hard to do that against Djokovic unless you happen to catch him in kind of 2017 when he was a sort of, Uh, off kilter and his elbow was a problem. He has just been so good for so long. And, uh, you know, maybe Djokovic is just resentful that uh, I think he considers Dimitrov the most handsome man on the ATP Tour. So maybe there's just a little extra vigor when he plays him uh, out of just pure envy, which I think all of us have when we look at uh, Grigor.
1: Did you get motivated
2: when you played guys
1: more handsome than you? Is that a thing?
2: Well, I mean, yeah. Why you think I had such a reasonable career? I was <laughs> kind of pissed off at everybody. <laughs> I totally walked into that. Yeah. Uh,
1: um, so you, you speak, have
2: seen me before. Stop yes. it. Stop okay. it.
1: Uh, we've given you a million stats over the years about Djokovic. Here's one that, that maybe you haven't seen, the fact that he is now, with his win the other day, the only player in the open era, Andy, to have a winning percentage 800 or better on all three main surfaces, Grass, Hard and Clay. He is good everywhere.
3: It's just so offensive to mere mortals, the numbers that he puts up. Um, it, it makes it look easier. I mean, it, it, listen, Clay, if it, it, Clay is your worst surface and you've won Rome six times, the French Open twice, and you're batting, you, you have an 800 clip. Uh, you know, you're, that's the reason why, you know, many think that you will be the greatest all, of all time uh, beyond reproach. But um, the, the guy can adapt to any surface when you specialize in being able to lock in a pattern and find the pattern. You move great. You're you're like Gumby. And, and when you are stretched wide, you're still as effective and you're the best of all time at, at keeping space between you and the opponent. That translates to a lot of different surfaces. All right,
1: one other match we want to touch on tomorrow, and that is Fonini against Aruna. And this is going to be interesting, Mm. Andy, because you know you're going to have the home crowd behind Fabio Fonini, but from everything we've seen from Holger Aruna, he doesn't care one lick. In fact, he, he may like it like that tomorrow.
3: Uh, he can tell us he doesn't care. Uh, but when, you know, the, the Italians are getting into his stuff tomorrow, uh, we'll see if he doesn't care. Just because, you know, he might be uh, aggressive with his reaction doesn't mean that doesn't automatically mean that uh, he doesn't care at all. Uh, this is one of those ones where you make a snack, you get comfortable, you sit down. And get ready to be entertained. So uh, close to the Roman Coliseum. So hopefully we'll see. Are you not entertained? Uh, but this will be this will be uh, this will be great stuff. And Fabio's look great uh, for a guy who won, you know, three matches out of, uh, and lost eight coming into this tournament uh, has looked great through his first couple of rounds.
2: I'm, I'm fired up for this one. This is our second meeting. They yeah. played last summer in Canada. Runa won that one in, a, in straight set. So he's seen the peacock in the flesh on the other side of the net. And you got to get used to that strut. I mean, no one walks on the court like Fabio and struts his stuff and then the feathers come out. So he's not going to be fooled or intimidated by that. But the crowds oh, yeah. are going to be into it. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. Yeah. I think it's going to be on Tennis Channel. So that's good news for all of us. We look forward
1: to the tennis. We look forward to the plumage. And we <laughs> thank you for being with us on this rainy Saturday for Jim and Andy and Danny and Prakash. I'm um, Brett. We'll see you tomorrow for another edition. Of course, it rained all day. So what designer scarf did Prakash wear to keep himself out of the what? Just a gym towel. He's not that fancy. Whatever he has. Oh, no. I think at- that's Gucci, isn't it? It's a Gucci gym mm-hmm. towel.
3: See you tomorrow. He first. needs a receipt.
1: <laughs>